Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday is Kevin O'Connor, columnist for the Ringer. What's up, Kev? Chris, Clay Thompson scored 60 last night, man. Steve Kerr making me stay up late to watch Kevon Looney and whoever (laughs) whoever he had in the game that was not Clay Thompson after he got to 60th point. I'm very resentful of Steve Kerr. I think as many NBA fans probably are this morning. I really wanted to see him go for 70 at least. Yeah, I, I did too, but at the same time, I, I don't want to be that guy, but I get it. I mean, they, they have a busy schedule coming up. You wouldn't want to compromise that the health of one of your best players, one of your four best players. But yeah, it, it's, yes, it would have been nice to see that. However, look, this team, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Chris. They're going to have nights like this where they score a ton of points, and eventually they're going to have a night where they score a lot of points, and it's like actually a close game. So I think there will be a time sometime this year where we see a guy make a run at 70 or maybe Kobe's 81. I'm starting to think that maybe they're paying attention to what you're saying and writing, Kevin, because you came on the podcast a couple weeks ago and said, we haven't seen the 130, 140-point <laughs> outburst, and like the next night they did it. And then yesterday, you write this long article about like, hey, hold the phone. It's not necessarily predetermined that it's going to be the Cavs and the Warriors. And so they immediately go out and just beat the crap out of somebody on national television. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that wasn't necessarily saying like that they're not going to win because I still think in my I mean, there's a clear favorite, I think, for me. Um, But the middle class is looking pretty good. I think that they can at least make it a little harder on them, perhaps. Well, even last year, I mean, I think a lot of people would, you know, it's so funny because the Warriors dropped that 3-1 lead and it became a meme and it became a joke and it still remains like even if you're watching like college football game day there's like still a sign every week that says the Warriors <laughs> blew a 3-1 lead that being said everybody forgot that Oklahoma City had them dead to rights it's only I, I kind of feel like Oklahoma City totally got off the hook last year yeah I, that is a little bit weird when you think about it I, I wonder I wonder if that would be more of a conversation if Golden State had won and Kevin Durant let's just say had stayed in Oklahoma City would would they be kind of the better people's joke uh, this season I don't know but yeah they, they blew it the same way Golden State did that Clay Thompson stuff last night when he gets in a, well, I mean 40 in the first half and then I saw Tom Haberstrow say he went back and watched the tape this morning he dribbled the ball 11 times <laughs> It's unbelievable. It's, unbelievable. What is that? 11 times. I mean, what kind of shot? That speaks to what kind of shots. A, your ability to get a shot off fast. B, the kind of shots that he gets. No, I mean, you're Kobe, right. I, I bet if you if they should do that analysis on like one of Kobe's games, <laughs> it would be like 555,000 dribbles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, serious. no, you're right. And I think that speaks to how much these guys enhance each other's game because I think Thompson had eight or nine layups last night, and a lot of them were just open layups. And that was coming off simple screen actions that perhaps, you know, they would have been open shots for him this year, but this year they are wide open because Durant is pulling that much more gravity off the floor. I don't know how you defend that um, team when they're clicking on all cylinders. All right, when you talk about the middle class and the teams that are not considered the elite ones, who are the ones that stand out to you the most that you think could be dangerous? And dangerous meaning maybe they're not the team that knocks off a Cavs or a Warriors, but a team that takes them to the brink. 
Yeah, so the two two teams we gave as, as an example on that were the Bucks and the Celtics, and we talked about a couple other teams too. But you know, we'll, we'll focus on the Bucks um, with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Obviously, they have one of the rising young players in the game. Um, in the article, we we it was basically just about how you know these teams might not be you know contenders for the finals but that doesn't mean there isn't you know beauty to appreciate in this season there there are a lot of great storylines there are a lot of great rising young pl- young players Russell Westbrook's averaging a triple double there's a lot of interesting things happening in the NBA and that's largely because the middle class is so strong and one of those teams is the Bucks and to answer your question I, I think they're a team that can give teams trouble because they're so long and they're so skilled um, I think I think Mike D'Antoni said in an interview interview earlier this year that he'd rather people not call it small ball. He'd rather it be called skill ball because that's the point of putting your smaller players on the floor because they're, they tend to be more skilled shooting players, but the bucks are able to do it with tall lineups because Antetokounmpo can play point guard and they can surround him with whatever types of different players they want. And I still don't think they're, they're at the level where they can be with Middleton out. Um, but that team, with their size, their skilled size, I think they can give teams trouble. I think we've seen them um, have good, tough games against Golden State the past two seasons, and we've seen them beat Cleveland this year. Um, they're a team that, look, if they sneak into the playoffs, maybe they upset somebody in the East. Maybe they upset Toronto or whoever, right? Um, maybe they they make it hard for uh, Cleveland in, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Who knows? Um, but I think they're one of those teams that they're built not this year to be real contenders, but at least to be a, a nagging team for whoever it might be that's actually a contender. Well, and it's interesting because they're not going to be like a 50 or 55 win team, yeah. but just because of what you said, they just happen to have the goods to be bad mm-hmm. matchups for the best teams, right? They may not be like night in, night out. You're not going to watch them and, and be like, wow, that team's devastating. But they're just, they've just got matchup problems for who happen to be the best teams in the league right now. And I do wonder, right, when you look around, it, how, you know, because there's some that are almost like likes, like the those teams that can really play small and play them with s- smaller slash bigger guys, as you say, mm-hmm. for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, on the other hand, you know, you look at a team like, say, like Utah, and they're going to play them radically different, right? They're going to try to drag that game down into the mud and beat them. Um whether it's the Warriors or whether it's the Cavs or whoever it may be, and try to and and so maybe they have the goods to really slow a team down. So it's almost like maybe these teams are not necessarily elite level teams, but we got to keep our eye out for ones that would happen to be bad matchups for the best teams. It's funny you mentioned Utah, Chris, because I think they're another one of those teams where, well, a I think they're way better than people think they are, and and, and b um, with them, I think yeah, you're right. They can drag you down into the mud if you want to, but they can also spread the floor. They have skilled forwards that can space the floor and make plays. Trey Lyles and Boris Dia, um, they they can play different styles depending on who they have in their lineup. Right now, Derek Favors is out, um, so they're not able to play with their twin tower big men um, next to Gobert. But yeah, they're a team that they can play different styles depending on the opponent and depending on what type of um, style they want to play. Um, I mentioned the Celtics earlier. Earlier, They're another team like that. 
They have Al Horford, who I think has just been tremendous for him in the games he's played. He's a big man who can score from all levels of the floor. He can pop. He can drive off the pop. He can roll to the rim. He's such a skilled player, especially when paired with Isaiah Thomas in the pick and roll. Um, So, yeah, those two teams, you know, in, in their respective conferences, they might not be real contenders, but I think they're in that high middle class tier where look they're going to give teams trouble and they're fun um that's really the, that was really the main message of the article is that there's just a lot of good teams in the league this year um and i think it, we're, we're seeing that last week with a lot of the upsets that we uh, had what do you make of like all right so since you brought up the celtics you brought up horford right they they took uh they took the rockets to the brink last night and horford missed the game winner right so yeah the idea that you do get in those kind of games. You do get in those kind of wars. And like last night, it was Horford who got the call. But that the Celtics mm-hmm. don't have the guy that are just going to, you know, when the game's on the line, when, when, the, when the Rockets are throwing it to Harden and he's either going to make a player create, that you look around to the Celtics and best option is probably, you know, Isaiah Thomas trying to do something off the bounce or in last night's case, Horford. Where Horford, I mean, obviously, I think probably eight times out of ten he makes that shot, but he missed it last yep. night. But the, the idea that they don't have a go-to guy. Um, yeah, I, I mean that's part of it. I think I think Isaiah Thomas, you know, he's been tr- terrific in fourth quarters for them. He just he just goes off in second half of games. Um, but you look, he can't do it all by himself. Um, and I think that's kind of the issue where Horford Horford isn't the type of guy you necessarily necessarily funnel the ball to and tell him to go to work and get a bucket. Um, Isaiah Thomas is that guy for them. Um, but yeah, he, we've seen it in the playoffs the past two years with him. We're seeing it again this year. He can't always be the guy that does it by himself just because when when the Celtics do feed him the ball, the way defenses defend him, the hedging on pick and rolls, they're really trying to make anybody else beat them besides IT. Um, so that's what they need, and I guess that's what, you, that's what you could say Utah needs and a lot of other teams need too, is they need a guy, one of the top 15 players in the game, one of the few players who can actually be a go-to scorer, and that's what separates the top teams from the middle class. You spoke on, and you wrote about this rising middle class, and I think going in, when, when all the free agency took place and Duran ended up with Golden State, there was a big topic of, you know, is this is this good or bad for the NBA that a team is going to put together this dominant level team? And I, I must tell you that I was sitting there watching last night, and of course the game was a bloodbath, but you've got this show going on with Clay dropping 60. And in between, you know, I know the Warriors and the Cavs are, are big time, big time prohibitive favorites in their conferences, but just at least, you know, a quarter of the way into the season, I, w- I think my initial reaction was this is, I don't like this. And this is not good. And I don't want a team being a huge favorite every night and uh, and the whole season being predetermined. But I must tell you, a quarter of the way through the season, it has. I I, I think I'd, I think I'd change my opinion. I don't think it's bad at all. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Chris. My, my yeah. when Kevin Durant first signed, my react, my first reaction was, well, this sucks. And my yeah. second reaction was, well, how much better is Durant going to be? Um, and, and seeing it now, it's it's insane how much better he is in terms of efficiency numbers. Um, but it's also insane just seeing how much those guys complement each other. And yeah, for me, like you, it's really, really fun. And I think I think when, when that first happens, a lot of people were just in shock by it. But 
nothing's really changed in the terms of the fact that there's really four or five teams that legitimately have a shot of winning the title, and that's no different than it was in past years. There's always the super elite teams that are most likely going to be in the finals, or at least most likely going to win the finals. Um, it's very rare, I think, we see you know incredible upsets in the playoffs that really knock out all the top teams. Um, so nothing's changed there. I, I think. I think you know what really has changed is the middle class is stronger. Um, on Sunday, the, when I published the article, there were 22 teams with a net rating between five and minus five, compared to an average of roughly 17 over the past five seasons. So that's a lot more teams packed into the middle um, with closer to average net ratings. Uh, so the middle class is stronger. Teams aren't really tanking as much at the bottom, but the top hasn't changed quite that much. But I think the league has been very healthy this year, and I'm, I'm really loving watching it. Well, when you're flipping around on League Pass last night, it's great because, you, like you say, you got a lot of those middle-tier teams going up against each mm-hmm. other, and it makes for these highly competitive games. And then on the other hand, you've got these super-dominant teams. I just juxtapose that from like watching the NFL, and, okay, so there is no clear, clear favorite, right, when you're watching mm-hmm. the NFL. There is no team that it's like, wow, could they lose this week? I mean, the Cowboys have the best record, but they're not like some kind of – it's not like it's not like they're the Cowboys with Aikman, Smith, and, and, and Irvin. And I'm a Cowboy fan, right? But, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm well aware of what they are. There's flaws to that team when Kirk Cousins can throw for 500 yards. It's enough with that the NFL. I just say that to say – you know, in the NFL, I, I almost think it would be it would be great if there was a team that you just felt like nobody could beat. It piques interest, and so I, I don't mind there being a couple of teams that like every night. It's like it would be a huge story if the Warriors lose, like at any given time. Yep. And then when we get to the playoffs, it's all going to be like, could somebody knock them off or at least take them to the wall? Exactly, Chris. Yeah. It reminds me of the 07 Patriots when they went 18-0 and yeah. everybody was rooting against them in, in the Super Bowl and they lost. And and for fans who weren't Patriots fans, it was incredible. It was just right. unbelievable. And, and very similar to Warriors blowing their 3-1 lead last year. But if it were to happen this year with this team, with Kevin Durant, I think the reaction would be even more insane on, on NBA Twitter and around the globe. I think so, too. All right, so as I said, we are about 20 games into the season for most Every team around the league. That would signify the exact quarter way uh, point of the season. So we are going to do this throughout the season. We're going to give our quarter season awards. We're going to pick all of the awards right now, one-fourth of the way through the season. We'll do it again halfway through the season, again three-fourths of the way through the season. So we'll do it at 20, 40, 60 games, and then obviously after the 82 is completed. So we will give you our quarter season awards when we come back. Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Me Undies. Picture a world where putting on a new pair of underwear isn't just fresh, you're stepping into a better day. Think about it. Underwear is the first thing you put on and the last thing you take off. Why would you settle for anything less than the best feeling underwear on the planet? Me Undies focuses solely on producing the most comfortable underwear you've ever experienced. For the price of two cocktails, Me Undies will deliver you your favorite pair of underwear right to your doorstep. Better day guaranteed. Try them on if they're not comfortable the best feeling undies you've ever had 
they'll refund you and let you keep the first pair for free. And for a limited time, every one of my audience gets 20% off their first order. But you have to go to the special URL, MeUndies.com slash NBA show. With the MeUndies Better Day Guarantee, you got nothing to lose. So don't wait any longer. Go to MeUndies.com slash NBA show right now for 20% off your first order. That's MeUndies.com slash NBA show. NBA show also brought to you by Jesus and Mero. Late night TV just got darker. Jesus Nice and the Kid Mero have landed their own late night TV show on Viceland, the new TV channel from Vice. It's called Jesus and Mero. Late nights at 11 p.m. You may know these guys from the Bodega Boys podcast. Yes, podcasters can be TV stars these days. You may also know them from Twitter.com. Apparently, Twitter people can get TV shows. This is not your typical late night show. No A-list celebrities selling their new movie. No scripted jokes. No band. Just two guys from the Bronx giving you their takes on culture, politics, sports, entertainment, and other subjects they don't really know anything about. Watch the show because Mero has mad kids and Jesus loves sneakers and they're funny and other late night shows are corny. Watch Jesus and Mero on TV on Viceland every Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. Go to Viceland.com to find your channel and check out some free episodes. The brand is strong. All right, Kevin, I said we're going to give our quarter season awards. Uh, In fact, uh, let's just start with the MVP, right? Because that's the biggest award. And last week we got into a conversation about the triple doubles that uh, that Westbrook's putting up, right? And he's averaging mm-hmm. 31, 11, and 11 a game on 43% from the field, 33% from three. And he had another triple double last night, by the way. Um, okay, so you remember our conversation? We were saying like it's always it's always somebody from an awesome team. Well, I went back and looked because we were trying to do it off the cuff. The MVP, check this out has been from a one seed or a two seed every year, uh, all but all but twice since 1985. Wow. Since 1985, okay? In 1999, huh. Carl Malone was a three seed, but they were tied for the best record. Right, uh, like it was right. So they yep. they really they're tied yep. for the best record. So that's a weird that's not a true so not three really. seed. Yeah. Okay, and then 1988, which was Jordan. The Bulls were a three seed. He averaged 35 points a game, 5.5 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals. He was Defensive Player of the Year and shot 54% from the wow. field. And then I went back and looked. The only team, I, or the, at least the last one, there's like an old, like I think Bob Pettit or something like that from forever ago. Mm-hmm. Not, n- things that there are not even like videos of. But Kareem <laughs> in 75-76, the Lakers were 40-42. and 42. And he and they didn't make the playoffs. That's the last guy that didn't make the playoffs. Now I think it's fair to say Oklahoma City's going to make the playoffs, but they're probably not yep. going to be up. I mean, you think they're going to win fifty? Pro- probably not fifty, right? It'd be I don't know. It'd be close. Um, I don't think they'll win fifty, but we'll see. They're the five seed though right now, and I do think if you're the five seed and he's doing something this historic, like this is beyond the pale, right? The averaging a triple double. Um, I think it would buck history, you know, and he wouldn't have to necessarily. If you can average a triple-double, I don't think you would have to be on a one or a two seed. What say you? So so Westbrook is your MVP. You'd, you'd be voting for Westbrook? Right now. Okay. Um, I would vote for James Harden. Um, and 
I know it would be hard to get go against Westbrook, but my thing is, it's like there's seven or eight legitimate candidates right now, and it's really, really hard to select just one. But with James Harden, with what he's doing, first of all, he's scoring super efficiently um, at taking a high volume of shots. He's been a really, really efficient scorer. And then he's also averaging over 11 assists per game, and he's just been an incredible playmaker for the Rockets. He He is... He is their team on the offensive end of the floor. Without him, I mean, he he is the embodiment of the most valuable player. Without him, they're nothing. Just like Oklahoma City is nothing without Westbrook. But I think Houston, I think he makes them a better overall team um, just because of his efficiency and his high-level decision-making. Westbrook is tremendous, and it's not necessarily a knock against him. I know a lot of people often do knock his decision-making. But for me, the, the difference is the efficiency. Um, and Kevin Durant should be in that conversation as well. Wait, hold on uh, now, hold on. <laughs> Your argument is that Harden makes them a good like, dude. Uh, Oklahoma City loses Westbrook, they win ten games. Yeah, yeah, but so does Houston. <laughs> so does Houston now. No, it, they don't. Win so does 10. Houston. I don't Come know. On. They're but, not that ridiculous. Pull, I'll pull up their on-off numbers if you want me to, Chris. You think they win we'll ten games little... without James Harden? Okay, okay. I don't. I don't think Oklahoma City would win ten games because I think. I think first of all, I think both teams would change their systems depending on the talent. If they didn't have Harden or Westbrook, I think you would see Oklahoma City. Billy Donovan would actually run his motion offense system. I think you would see some of their young players running that system more. Um, and I think they have players that fit into it. But they don't. They don't use that system with, with Westbrook because he's such a ball dominant player. And why would you? Because he's so far and away better than everybody else. Um, but with Houston, I, I, I just for me, it's the efficiency that's 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 the differentiator. I just All think right. well, if we're talking Harden's efficiency. Volume, then volume yeah. with his efficiency this? is unreal. If you want to talk about efficiency, then right? Then Katie. why isn't it Durant? <laughs> Durant's averaging 27, yeah, 8, and 5. He's yep. like right at the top in PER. He's shooting 56% from the field and 43% from three at high volume. And he's averaging almost two blocks and one and a half steals a game. Yep. I wrote something a couple weeks ago in one of our King of the Courts on the Ringer just about how just insanely efficient he's been. And I don't have the updated numbers right now, but at the time, if you looked at players who were averaging X amount of points, he was the most efficient player who's ever had a season like that. And if he's not right now, he's pretty close. And look, I mean, it's going back to what we said earlier about Golden State, the way these guys complement each other. But I, I have a hard, I would have a hard time giving a vote to one of their four best players, even though I, I think, look, I think in some ways it depends on your definition of the award. Um, is it is it the player who had the best statistical season? Is it the player who was the best on the best team? I think people have different definitions of it depending on depending on what they're looking for. Well, I think the definition's been rather standard over the years. I mean, I just told you there's only there's only there's only two right. times there's only twice since 1985 that a guy hasn't been a one or a two seed, and we got to yeah. throw out the Malone one. So really, it's 88 Jordan is the only one. Is that right, though? Should it be that way? Um, I, 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 don't, mean, I, I wonder if we look back how many winners or how many potential winners there should have been on like four or five seeds, right? I will be very fascinated to see if this evolves in the same way baseball has, right? In mm-hmm. that it used to be years ago that if you didn't, 
you know, if, 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 if like I remember Felix Hernandez, right, recently won it because of wins, or you see, you know, people bringing up Mike Trout's war or whatever, right? Roger I, Roger Clemens, 04 or 05, something like that, winning it over Randy Johnson. That year always sticks out to me. Randy yeah. Johnson had just an unreal year, but Roger Clemens had more wins. Yeah, and I think, and, and remember, Felix won with, with few, uh, way fewer wins. Um, than his opponents for the Cy Young yep. a couple years ago. And so I do wonder if, because it has started a little bit, a couple of years ago, Marc Gasol won Defensive Player of the Year simply based on advanced analytics. Because guys like mm. Zach Lowe and, and big-time writers were writing about this and his defensive impact and looking at, they were looking at stats beyond, you know, it used to be you would just look, like most of the people that vote would look at block shots and steals and then decide, you know, who they thought the defensive player of the year was. I know that sounds crazy, but that's true, right? The, the raw box score <laughs> stats. And Marcus Hall won a defensive player of the year simply based on advanced analytics. And so it's interesting. I don't know if that will if that will be the MVP's case in, in years to come or if that will remain. I, I think I'd probably believe the, the former, which is that they will evolve and you will see more people paying attention to all the advanced metrics to decide who they think is truly deserving. I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't think, know. I think this, year will, a, this year will show a lot, I think. Well, listen, if it's a team from a one or two seed, it's Durant or, I mean, I suppose yeah. Kawhi. Maybe Paul. I mean, you, can all, Chris you, Paul. you can make the argument for Curry too, though. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of guys. All right, rookie of the year. I've got Embiid. Who you got? It's Embiid. It's not even close. It's well, Jamal Murray's got a ch- Jamal Murray's had four twenty point games recently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe by the end of the year we're talking about Jamal Murray, but right now it's it's not even close. It's it's JoJo. JoJo's just been ridiculous. Really hoping I get to see him in person tonight. They play. Uh, they play the Grizzlies in Memphis, and I'm hoping he plays. Not. I, I think he's supposed to rest. I know. I know. Sorry, that, Chris. That's a war. I know it's a war. You'll, you'll get to see him in the flesh, though. I think. <laughs> you'll get to see him. That you're gonna get. get the, you're seeing get, a potential Hall of Famer. Well, I told you. I mean, listen, we did a podcast earlier. I saw him in person earlier this year, and I came on the podcast the next day and said, "This guy, like, good grief, it is yeah, something right. to behold." You don't. I've never seen a guy that big move like that. Honestly, I've it's, never it's seen unreal. that. Remember uh, this summer when they, when him and his trainer Drew Hamlin are posting all those workout clips, and a lot of the, the haters on Twitter were like, "Oh, just doing this in an open gym against a five foot ten guy." Well, yeah, right. now he's doing it. In, in an NBA game against NBA level players, and uh, yeah, it's pretty fun to watch. He's the other awesome. thing I love about him so much is it, I don't know if people are aware of this um, in the greater public, but he comments all the time, like on people's Instagram posts, and people yeah. go and people yeah. go and find them, and then they post them on Twitter. And I swear, at least twice a week, I laugh hysterically. Like there was a. There's a there's a famous one a couple of weeks ago where a girl in the the girl oh, there's this God. beautiful blonde in the crowd <laughs> holding up a sign for Chandler Parsons that says you know Chandler check your DMs and like Joel Embiid like just comments on it and he's like you better have smashed bro <laughs> like what <laughs> then how about last night he uh, Dario Saric somebody puts up a video of Dario Saric making a move on somebody and like right underneath the video. It says Joel Embiid, and he like commented, "Cooked his ass." <laughs> I mean, like, it's like oh a, yeah, that was against uh, that was the one against Jonas Jerepka. 
He's like a kid, man. He's the yeah. he's, he's like a teenager. Seriously, it's like a it's like a teenager, and he's like legit hysterical. Oh, that, I, he's another one of those players. Like we were talking about earlier, there's a lot of fun stories in the league this year, Chris, and Embiid on the Sixers is one of them. He is goofy as all get up, but I laugh <laughs> at him. Um, Coach of the year, I say Popovich right now. Okay, if I was giving out the award, um, they're twelve and zero on the road so far this year, and this is life without Tim Duncan. And I think it is instruct. Like, go pull up their roster, and I know everybody's aware of Kawhi and Powell and and Lamarcus Aldridge, but like you look at look at their bench and look at the guys that play for them on a regular basis, and uh, I think I think he's done a at least through twenty games a masterful job, Popovich, and I think this is one of those where people always kind of wondered, you know, what's life like Duncan going to be like, and there's clearly this total Spurs culture that has been developed. I did not think the Powell Aldridge thing was going to work out really well. Um, but, you know, listen, they're 17 and four, or whatever it is, uh, early in the season, 12 and 0 on the road. And I'd give it to Popovich right now. So we mentioned earlier about how most valuable player usually goes to the, the best, the best teams. Um, coach of the year also tends to do that. Uh, but, but my pick for coach of the year is uh, from, 13 and 19 Quinn Snyder of the Utah Jazz um, for me I just think every quality that's that Snyder's kind of learned throughout his basketball life is observable with the Jazz from his time as a player at Duke to coaching the Spurs D-League team to learning under Messina at CSK Moscow his year with the Hawks learning from Mike Budenholzer Snyder has just a wealth of experience making him a diversified season coach and and we're seeing that with, within his roster because his roster kind of mirrors his his unique skill set with a bunch of players who can play different roles and situations and positions and Snyder I think with his experience just maximizes the players on that roster and that comes despite injuries to Hayward to Hill favors and um, and so on they have the the, top eight offense and a top five defense despite so many injuries early in the season I just think a lot of the credit should be given to Snyder I think he's been outstanding and I think by the end of the season I think we'll be talking about the Jazz as a pseudo contender, not quite a real contender, but the next level down. I just love what he's done, and I love their roster, and I think that the best is yet to come for them. I think people that are uh, big-time NBA fans, people that are really paying attention, feel the same way you do. If you go look at their numbers, their record is clearly, and you wrote about this last week, their their record is clearly not indicative of what level of team they are. They are top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, which is, that is, that is that is something that is typically reserved for extremely good teams. They are eighth offensive and fifth defensive, and that's with the injuries that they've been through. Yep, exactly. I think I think Steiner has just been really, really, really good for them. And look, I, if P, I think I think it'd be unfair if a coach like him didn't garner votes just because of the team's record. Like, let's just stay. Let's say they're only a forty-six win team or something like that. I think it would be unfair if people just look at the wins column and decide that the coach should or shouldn't win. Because you can make you can make an equally good argument for someone like Luke Walton and the way he's installed his system with the Lakers' this team. Should he win the award this year, or should he win the award after they trade for a star player and they're a sixty-five win team? In my opinion, I think the guy should win it the year they're laying the foundation and the players are really, really progressing. But again, it's all about the definition of the award. Let me place devil's advocate with you for a minute, okay? Okay. After their off-season moves and everything they did, everybody loved the Jazz. 
Everybody was high on the Jazz. So now we're going to sit there and go, oh, what an unbelievable job by Quinn Snyder. I mean, like, he's not doing anything to people. Like, it's like a couple years ago, I remember, I think Popovich won it. And I remember thinking, God, man, I don't care if they just barely missed the playoffs. Jeff Hornacek could get coach of the year because that's insane. I thought that team was a 15 win team and they ended up like almost making the playoffs. So shouldn't it, if we're, if we're, shouldn't it be somebody that we didn't expect to pull off? And again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, right? Somebody we thought was not going to be that good that's way better than we expected, and, and, a, and a big-time portion of that can be attributed to the, to the coaching job that somebody has done. So on the Jazz, I mean, you're right. They're they're not necessarily doing anything different, but they're doing it despite injuries to their key players. I think Hayward and Hill have only played six games together or seven games together. Uh, I'm not totally sure on that. But in terms of you know your argument, I agree, and that's that's my argument in favor of someone like Luke Walton. If I if I were voting. I think I would have Luke Walton in my top three just because of the way he successfully installed their system, the way the guys are playing together, the chemistry they're displaying together. I think the job he's done is remarkable for it to happen in the short amount of time that it has. Um, so look, yeah, I, I think I think Luke Walton, a guy who no, nobody expected the Lakers to even be competitive and their team hovering around 500. They're on the playoff bubble. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Look, I think what Luke Walton's done is unbelievable, and he should be in the conversation as well. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think that'll happen, I, I, but maybe it should. Well, here's what I know. The guy that I picked, at least for the quarter season award, Popovich, they could start five guys that 90%, <laughs> of, 90% of basketball fans have never even heard of before. Rashawn Holmes. And he'd have it stop it. Do you yeah. know how many tweets I get about Rashawn Holmes now? I know, I know. People I were telling me to, to people were telling me to I, flip I, him on last night. I'm like, enough. I, 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 <laughs> I got to bring him on the podcast. I've got to. You know what? I'm going to get to see him in person tonight. <laughs> That's right. You are. I'll say hi I to am. him. I forgot about that. I need to go introduce myself to Rashawn Holmes. <laughs> tell, tell him I think he should. His minutes should be doubled. I, you know, I need to get a picture with Rashawn Holmes tonight, right? Just for yeah. it. <laughs> do it up. <laughs> me and me and me and him. Uh, all right, defensive player of the year. Um, I got Draymond. What you got? I got Draymond as well. Okay. All right. Well, let's just pass that over. I don't even yeah. think it's. I mean, the guy like and, and, yeah. and there's more honest put on him this year because of no Bogut, right? Like he literally he cards. There's 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 nobody in the like there, there's no position that you don't feel comfortable him guarding. It's absurd. Yep, yep. it's unbelievable. And, and then with the success he has, depend, defending often the best player on the opposing team, it's it's unbelievable. He's a stud. I mean, you see him lock down a center, and then the next play, like you remember that Atlanta game last week, which is like perfect yep. for his highlight reel. He gets switched on to Dennis Schroeder, who's super quick. And not only does he stay with him, he just packs him. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. <laughs> It's something else watching him. I, I think I, I feel. I mean, I don't feel bad, but I think it's disappointing that his kicking gets so much attention because the things he does on the defensive end are just unreal. He, he's a stud. He does need to stop kicking, though. <laughs> Most improved, I got the Greek freak. I'm right there with you, Chris. So I'm right. kind of on the same page with some of these. Yeah. Well, listen. I don't think that these are. If you're, if you're incredibly intelligent people, I think most, <laughs> I think most intelligent people are going to agree. You know, the other one I, the other one yeah. I marked down as a possible argument was your guy uh, George Hill. He hadn't played oh, enough yep. yet. But, he, he was on but my he, short list You were talking about a big well. uptick. I mean, he's had a big uptick. He's he's kind of yeah. always been like I think we could foresee. 
the Greek Freak taking a big leap. That's possible. Jabari's also another one that should be in that mix, by the way, who's having mm-hmm. a really good year. But, but you could see that. They're young guys. Harrison that are, Barnes. Yeah, they're young guys that could take the leap. <laughs> another one. Whereas George Hill, George Hill, we're very aware of George Hill. George Hill's been around forever. Yeah. And, Is he and 30 for, now? It, well, I mean, he, well, listen, uh, Spurs, then Pacers for a good amount of years. I mean, what is he? Wow. Probably like a George Hill's probably like a career what twelve point per game guy, something like that. I'm, I'm, I'll yeah, look it up I, right I got now. Eleven point five. I was close. Yeah. What's he averaging? Twenty. Twenty. Hit right on the button. I, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty late in a career to get a most improved award, but I almost. <laughs> I mean. I think George Hill's got to be in the. He's got to be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. He's averaging twenty a game, and what was the most before this? Probably like fifteen, right? On a Pacers team, it was sixteen point one and 16. and forty three games for the Pacers two years ago. So not a full year. Yeah, that's a good season though. Yeah, George, George Hill's right there, definitely. Um, All right, so we're both on the Greek Freak for most improved. Uh, sixth man, I said Lou Williams. Yep, me as well, Chris. Yeah, he went crazy. Well, I mean, these <laughs> yeah. are easy. He went crazy last night. I mean, he's leading that team in scoring. It's not just the volume of scoring, though, for me with him. It's it's his efficiency, again, like getting back to the efficiency with Harden. I just think he's been such an efficient player. And it's not just volume, though, because if you look at, if you look at the qualifying bench players and their points scored per 100 possessions, he still leads in points with around 35 per 100 possessions. So it's not like he's just getting more minutes and therefore he's getting more shots and therefore he's getting more points. He's actually been efficient with his opportunities and he's doing it very, very well on a per possession basis. All right. Uh, I will tell you that if they do, if they miss the playoffs, which is probably to be expected, the Lakers, um, and and the six man of the year comes off a playoff team. Uh, my homie Zach Randolph's got a chance mm. because he, it's got to be stuck out to me. It's typically from a good team. You know what I mean? Usually, it's from somebody that makes the playoffs. Assuming the Grizzlies could make the playoffs. Um, yep. All right, MVP. I've got Westbrook. You've got Harden. Yes. All right. This is through a quarter way through the season. Um, and I would say if we had to predict at the end of the season, you think Harden ends up is, – is, is your – who you would give the award to now versus who you think is going to win in the end a different answer? Because mine is. I don't, I don't think Harden – I don't think he'll win uh, because I think, I think the stigma about his defense is strong and I don't think people will vote for him for that reason. But I, I would vote for him today and maybe I would at the end of the year. It's, it's hard, very hard to predict. All right. I don't think at the end of the year that Westbrook is going to actually average the triple-double. Therefore, history will remain. They'll give it to somebody that's on a one or a two seed. The efficiency numbers are going to be so astronomically ridiculous that Durant will end up getting it. Um, rookie of the year Embiid, both agreed on that. Coach of the year, I've got Popovich. You've got Quinn Snyder. Yep. Defensive player of the year, we both have Draymond. Most improved player, we both have the Greek Freak. And sixth man of the year, we both have Lou Williams. You know who's having mm. a sneaky great sixth man season too? Who I should have mentioned? That? Wilson Chandler. Yeah, he has definitely. He, he's averaging eighteen point six and seven rebounds, shooting forty eight percent from the field. Wilson Chandler, how about him? Really, really good season. All right, first team All-NBA. This is not going to be a long conversation, Kevin. Westbrook, <laughs> Harden, 
Durant, those are locks. LeBron, yep. lock. So we're really just arguing about the center. Yeah, we're we're both on the same page with those four. Um, the center's Marcus even... Saul. Give me a break. Come on. <laughs> Let's get I serious. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, if I'm being serious. Okay, we're get, are we considering okay. him a center? I, I, that okay. Here's here's my issue with the center forward. Because look, should we consider him a center? I, I I don't know. I mean, who 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 are the centers? Like who who are the nominees for for center? All right, uh, Gas- Gasol, center? Gasol, Jordan, Drummond, Horford, um, Whiteside. Whiteside's having a crazy year, by the way, statistically. I mean, the team stinks, but he's having an unbelievable year. I mean, that, I don't know. I, do you consider Anthony Davis a center? I mean, what did they I, list him? Wish, what did they list him as a couple years ago when he made All NBA? I, I just wish the award would be a little bit more progressive and and go by bigs, wings, yeah, I do too, and guards, oh, or bigs, forwards, wings, and guards, or just forget about position and just go with the five best players. You, you and I agree. <laughs> Listen, DeAndre Jordan making a first team All NBA is stupid. Um, Last year, it was, uh, I'm sorry, Jordan Cousins Drummond were the first, second, and third team. I mean, is Draymond Green considered a center? Or is he a forward? You know what I mean? I Mm -hmm. just, it's it's hard, it's hard to to define, but. Well, they defined Anthony Anthony Davis Davis as a forward two years ago. Okay. Ooh, so that would make a good one. I guess you just have to put him on the second team, right? I mean, you're not moving the ball. I, I, I guess I'd have to, or else I'd be breaking the rules. Apparently. <laughs> oh wait, damn! And we didn't even say Curry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so Curry's not going to be first team. All- wait, yeah. he's not going to be first team All NBA. <laughs> you know what I'm curious about, Chris? If if let's say Westbrook maintains his triple double. Um, but he still isn't an efficient player. Will will there be at least one person that votes for Westbrook not on the first team? Will Westbrook not be on someone's first team? Or would the fear of being shamed for not having the player on your first team prevent anybody from putting him on the second or third team, despite no, having a, a triple-double? There's always one hater. Come on. If you're asking <laughs> me to bet, is there one hater out there? The answer is yeah, yes. Yeah, just one. Okay. 100%. Yeah, but, there's always... You know, yeah, you know what? I'm looking at these teams. You're dead on about this whole, about this whole. It is just goofy. It's all get out that it has to be a quote traditional center because dumb. Well, I mean, we're thinking. Listen to this. How about this? All right, if we just went by like if we did it, uh, we agreed on West as of right now. Westbrook, Harden, yeah. Durant, LeBron, and then uh, let's just find a center. If you don't want to say it's Gasol, then we could say it is. I guess Cousins. We'll just say Cousins right now, right? I mean, is Cousins a center? <laughs> or is he, they listed him as center a last forward, year. A quote-unquote forward. I mean, I mean our, our two forwards are LeBron and Durant, who are guys that handle the ball. LeBron leads his team in assists. He's essentially like their, their playmaker, but he has the designation of a forward. And Cousins <laughs> is, is, by everybody's definition, is a big man. But yet he would be thrown into the same category as yeah. LeBron and Kevin Durant, which just doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, no, no, no. Cousins was listed as a center last year. He's second team okay. All oh, NBA center. Yeah, he was second team All NBA. But I mean, think about this: the second, if if the guys that we're talking about are All NBA through a quarter of the way of the season, make it at the end, your second team theoretically would be Chris Paul, <laughs> Steph Curry, whoever you want to put at center, Kawhi Leonard, and like Draymond, or whoever, yeah. whoever you want to put On there. Right? Or Anthony Davis. 
We didn't even yeah, exactly. Him <laughs> yep. Right. We didn't even list him. Good grief! <laughs> to, to your point about the league being in great shape, I mean, what, like those are all first team all. Whoever makes a second team all NBA, like you're either going to have because they pick two guards. There's not enough room for Westbrook, Harden, Curry, and Paul. Like two of those guys last year, mm-hmm. second team all NBA was Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. And the starters were, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, Curry and Westbrook. And then second team was actually Lillard and Paul. And we haven't even mentioned Damian Lillard. It's stacked, Chris. It's really stacked. Yeah, they need uh, to get rid uh, of that uh, whole center thing. You're right. I yeah, guess we give it to Cousins go, right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd go with probably Anthony Davis. But if we don't want to call him a center, then that uh maybe maybe boogie maybe marcus soul if they want to consider them traditional centers but anthony davis would be my selection yeah uh kevin o'connor you can follow him on twitter at uh, kevin o'connor nba you can also find me online if you want to ask us any questions throughout the week at chris vernon show one word chris vernon show uh kevin have an unbelievable week and we'll catch up with you next week Maybe by next week we'll get a 70-point game by somebody on the Warriors, Chris. Why don't you write about it? Because, hell, as soon as you – you know what you should write tomorrow? Put Clay Thompson's night proves you can't get 70 in the league. So then, like, the next night somebody scores 70. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll save those hot takes for first take. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to another edition of the NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks again to Viceland. Late Night TV just got darker. Jesus Nice and the Kid Mero have landed their own late night TV show on Viceland, the new TV channel from Vice, weeknights at 11 p.m. No A-list celebrities selling their movie, no scripted jokes, no band, just two guys from the Bronx giving you their takes on culture, politics, sports, entertainment, and other subjects they don't really know anything about. Watch Jesus and Mero on TV on Viceland every Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. Go to Viceland.com to find your channel and check out some free episodes. The brand is strong.